What a powerful text for us as we get to begin a series right now at looking at people's different points of view of who Jesus was um, and even how God restored them and how God redeemed them in so many ways. And hopefully today will be a message, an opportunity for you just to get out a pen and paper, as we mentioned before, and just to write some things down. Let's just spend some time in Scripture unpacking it and unfolding it, allowing it to come alive and just to jump off the page into our hearts. I know that in the midst of crazy and chaos and confusion, one of the best things that we can do is to get lost in his word because it is eternal and it is true. So we want to do that with you today and we certainly invite you to do it because here in this passage, we're going to be looking at the life of Peter and just we wanted to make sure you had a foundation for it because Jesus had just finished celebrating Passover, a meal with his disciples, and he's walking from the upper room, and he's going past the temple, and he's going to a garden, and there in the midst of all this, Judas, who he knew would betray him, had already gone to get a company of soldiers. Now, why a company of soldiers? I think it's to prevent rioting. I think Judas knew Jesus well enough to know that he's not going to start a fight right then in the midst of all of them, but I think it's to prevent rioting. And these people are coming, they come to the garden, they know who Jesus is, and they speak to him, and they said, okay, who are you? And, and Jesus declares, I am he. I am he. This, remember, this is the Gospel of John. Um, one of the things that the Gospel of John is known for are the seven I am statements, the seven ways that Jesus says, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the, the, the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way and the truth and the life. All these different things we are now being reminded of. It's even a throwback to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 for us. Exodus three fourteen, where we go, okay, wait, he is the great I am. And Jesus declares this. In this passage, also in the Gospel of John, what we see is Peter slicing off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Now, I certainly think he was going for more than the ear. Um, it's the only place that we find this. It's in Luke's account that we find Jesus healing that individual, which would have been, according to Luke, that would have actually been the last miracle before uh, his physical resurrection. Um, so here we are in this passage. And it's, it's interesting because in this passage, what we're going to see is this. Um, Peter, once this all unfolds, Jesus is being taken away. It says in John 18 that they bound him. They bound him. But Simon Peter, even though they had bound him, we already see this, right? In verse 12, they arrested Jesus and bound him. And then they take him away. But it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Just read for you by Kimberly, right? So we think that that was John, but now they have bound Jesus. Peter, he, he's staying strong right now, and he's following uh, his Savior. But then very quickly, things begin to change. 
And that's what I want us to speak about today. Uh, I'm going to be able to walk with you through a passage of Scripture, through various passages of Scripture. hope you're prepared to, to write those down and to read those even later today, again, just to be reminded of His Word. Um, but we're going to see today one of Jesus' faithfuls turn against Jesus, and we're forced to ask why, as he denies his Savior. Peter's going to deny Jesus, but the good news for us, as we'll see at the end, is that he is also renewed in Christ. Um, I, I told some of you about a month ago, I had the opportunity to drive with my family to Kentucky, went to see my grandmother-in-law's 100th birthday party. As soon as we get on the road, though, we left. It was a Thursday evening, about 8 o'clock. And I said, okay, we finally got everything ready. My son had a basketball game. I think one of my other sons had a, a basketball practice. One of my kids had, one of my girls had a game. It was just a crazy afternoon after school. We finally get in the car, and we start heading down the road. And we're on Chicago Drive, which is a road here uh, nearby. And we're going down, and right away, I was like, guys, do you hear this? Like, what, what, what? I'm like, stop talking, turn off the music, we just got to listen to this. And we turn off the radio and everything else, and they're all listening, like, we don't hear anything, nothing's different. I'm like, something doesn't seem right. So we just keep going. As soon as we get on the highway, it's, it's even worse. I'm going, guys, I'm telling you, and, and I had already gotten, I stopped the car, I walked around the car, I checked it out. We get on the highway, and it's getting worse. And as soon as I'm like, guys, I think we have a flat tire or something worse is happening. We need to get off. As soon as that happens, we get an alert from this service OnStar, but also then we, um, all of a sudden, we see a gauge come up on the, the, the lights of our dash, and right there it tells us our tire is actually going flat. The PSI, instead of being 35, 36, is now 28, and then very quickly it was 24, then it was 20, then it was 18, then it was 16, and I got all my kids, and I'm like, guys, just, we're trying to make it, we're trying to make it, and we can see the rest area nearby or the, 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 the truck stop. We finally get there, and we couldn't go any further. Everything was closed at the truck stop at that time of night. And so finally, we, I tell my kids, I'm like, everybody get out. Everybody take all the luggage out. I got to get the tire. And it was a donut. I'm like, there's no way we're making the Kentucky on a donut. And we, in 30-degree weather, no gloves on, we're out there changing the tire. And finally, we come back. A friend of ours opened up his shop in the middle of the night for us, fixed our tire at 10 o'clock. We get back on the road to drive to Kentucky. Now, I tell you that story for this reason. We didn't have a, a tire puncture because we would have hit something and right away the tire would have gone flat. We had a leak in our tire, and it was a slow leak. I knew right away something was wrong. It was still drivable. We could still go down the road if need be, and we did for a while, but it was just getting worse and worse and worse. I think that is what happened to Peter. I think Peter had a slow leak in his life. Spiritually speaking, I think he had a slow leak. With the things that are unfolding today and the confusion that, are, that, that is amongst us in our world right now, I think we're recognizing that possibly spiritually we ourselves have had a slow leak. Now as a culture as a whole, I will tell you the leak hasn't even been that slow. But even individually, we have to make it personal. We're going to see 
how Peter in his life was, he, he was beginning to take steps of denial. We're going to learn, we already know that Peter denied Jesus three times the night before he was crucified. And we're going to see that the reason that happened were because of steps in his own life, steps of denial. And we have to examine that for ourselves. That we've had steps of denial in our own life for possibly years. And so let's go ahead and take a look at this journey. Let's trace some of these downward steps of denial so that hopefully we can find the upward steps to renewal. This is what we find um, because this is applicable, applicable to Peter, but also to us. One of the downward steps that we find with denial is that Peter, I think over time, had a lack of humility. You know, uh, humility is something that can leave us very slowly as well. We start to buy into ourselves, and we start to think that we are, um, we're just awesome, right? And we tell people all the time, you're amazing, you're amazing. We want to encourage people, but sometimes we're falsely building them up. Well, Peter had a lack of humility, and he had a lack of humility about his heart condition. He had a lack of humility about his heart condition. I want to read for you Luke 22, 31 through 34. Luke 22, 31 through 34, because we find this passage in different gospels, different versions of it. Luke 22, 31 through 34. Write that down. Go back to it later on. It says the following. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. That he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now here he is. He's calling out, Simon, I've prayed that your faith would not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the the rooster will crow this day until you deny. He will not crow until you deny three times that you even know me. What we find here is that Peter was starting to step into pride. He had a lack of humility, and he was ready to die for Christ, yes, on his own terms, in his own terms. But when it came to being ready to die with Christ by taking up his cross, he was not willing to go. Matthew 16, 21 through 23 tells us that. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 tells us that, to take up our cross daily and to follow him. But here comes Peter, right? Here comes Peter, and we find very quickly that he, I think very slowly over time, it's that slow leak, he had a lack of humility. He was arrogant and he was prideful. And it led to him denying Christ in his own life. And I know I keep speaking about it, but these are unprecedented times. And what we're learning right now is that Jesus Christ has not been our primary. He has been our secondary at best. And we have grown prideful in thinking that our world is actually to be lived only for us rather than to give him glory. So we see him with a lack of humility. Another downward step to denial that Peter took was, I think he had a failure to guard his own heart through prayer. We have a failure to guard our own hearts through prayer. 
a passage I would encourage you to go read. I'll share a portion of it today. Is Matthew 26, Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. What's happening in this passage, just to tell you a little bit about it, is it says that Jesus has gone to them to Gethsemane, and he has some of the disciples with him, and he takes He's taking Peter, and he's also then taking the two sons of Zebedee. And he begins to, to let them know that he's sorrowful, he's troubled. He lets them know that very thing. And it says that he goes a little further, and he says, listen. And he calls out, and he prays to the Father. And he had already come, and he asked his disciples, be here, be on watch. And he comes back after praying, and it says the disciples were there, and he found them sleeping. So he says to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so for a second time, he goes away and pray, and he comes back. They're asleep again. And then it tells us again later on for a third time, he does it again. And each time that they, he comes back, he finds his followers, his disciples, asleep. And I think one of the things that we find is that, that Peter had a failure to guard his heart through prayer. He didn't recognize that prayer was a key to allowing our spirit to remain strong, knowing that our flesh would be weak. What's your prayer life look like? Is it, is it something that you call out only in times of crisis? Is, this could be a time for you to evaluate your prayer life. If you've prayed more in the last week than you did in the last year, it's telling you you need a spiritual recalibration when it comes to prayer. Because it's probably pointed to the fact, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be praying a lot. We should be praying continually in all times, right? We learned this. But if you're only going to God in times of crisis and in times of anxiety and in times of despair, then, then there's something wrong because we should be calling out to our Heavenly Father on a continual basis. Pray continually without ceasing, it tells us through His Word. And Peter and even ourselves, sometimes we fail to guard our hearts through prayer. And when they should have been battling with Christ in prayer, they were sleeping. Another thing that we see here with Peter is it tells us in Matthew chapter 26, verse 58, it says, but Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. We're able to be reminded of a, of a wonderful Bible study that's out there. Uh, it's called In the Dust of the Rabbi, and it talks about the disciples being so close behind Jesus, right? So closely that they were following Jesus, that they were picking up the dust from his feet. And that's what we desire to be as disciples today, right? We want to follow so closely with Jesus Christ that we pick up his dust, that we don't mind our clothes getting dirty, that we don't have to have everything perfect on us or anything else. We, as long as we're close to Jesus, we're good. Because when you start creating that distance between you and Jesus, you start being uh, in a place where you're being led astray. And that's what happened with Peter. Over time, I think Peter lost his way, and he began to, to loosen his distance from the Savior. He started strong, and he knew, right, I'm going to follow right behind Jesus. If Jesus is stepping here, I want to step here. If Jesus is stepping here, I want to step here. But because of the distance that had been created between Peter and Jesus Christ, I think he stopped following so closely, and he now followed at a distance. And as a result of that, he began to relinquish part of his call. 
and part of his understanding of who Christ is. It's one of the things that's happening today. Uh, we do have an opportunity right now, and I certainly don't want to make light of what is happening in our world, but I think right now we are having our idols ripped out. Right? We, we've had these idols of, of music and these idols of sports and these, the idol of money and all of these different things are, are just being ripped away from us. Right now, if we don't have time to invest in our family, if you can't find time to invest in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's because you have allowed so much distance between Christ and yourself that possibly, possibly you're actually no longer even following him. You're just hoping to go in the general direction. And so that was another way that we see Peter beginning to take steps of denial. And then finally what we find, what we discover is as a, as a fourth step of denial in his own life, but I think for us as well, and this is how you know that you're, you're starting to come to a place of denial, is that you refuse to identify with Christ. You refuse to identify with him. And so what I'd like to do is I want to read for you John 18. I'm going to pick up in, in, with my first verse being the last verse that Kimberly read before. And wherever you are, I'd like to invite you to stand right now for the reading of this portion of Scripture. So would you please stand with me? John chapter 18, verse tw- 17 through 27. It says, The servant girl at the door said to Peter, now be reminded, this is right after Simon Peter followed Jesus. He had already been bound, and he's being willing to follow him, but very quickly this changes. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of the man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? And Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. And so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it. Second time, right? And he said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. Third time. And at once, a rooster crowed. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Three times he refused to be identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And I know that for so many of us, one of the most difficult things to do is to sometimes even say, hey, um, I, I love Jesus so much. God's working in my life. Can I tell you what he's doing? For some reason, we struggle with proclaiming Jesus. And I'm asking that you evaluate that because that's just a precursor. If you're struggling to identify yourself with Christ, that is a precursor to denying Christ. It's a precursor to doing that very thing where you will not speak his name. You don't want to be identified with who he is. And that is a part of taking that step of denial. What would it look like? Are you free and openly speaking about who Jesus is to you? Do you believe that he really is the light of the world even in times of darkness? Do you believe that he is the hope of the world, an anchor for our soul? You see, as we prepare for Easter coming in just a few weeks, I think we have an opportunity to see different points of view of who Jesus is. And I think we're forced to evaluate what is our view of who Jesus really is. What is that for us? We are continually denying Jesus. And I think that as we look at Peter and his three times of denying who Jesus is, We sometimes ourselves refuse to deny self in order to follow Christ. I think sometimes one of the ways that we're refusing Jesus is we buy into false doctrine. That's why here at the church, we are begging people to get into a Bible study, to get into a community group, a small group, and really live life together in in Scripture and in His Word. One of the things I think I see so prevalent today is that we live for sin while professing to know God. We live for sin while professing to know God. And you're going, really? Well, yeah, when when he's not priority. We're, We're forced right now to evaluate, has Jesus had priority in our life? Are the primary things being ripped away from your life right now, or are the secondary things being ripped away? Be honest about it. Kids, ask your mom, your dad, what is it for us? Ask your parents right now or ask a friend, do you think that I have been following closely enough to Jesus? Or have I been following, have you been following at a distance? Is our family following at a distance? Titus 1, 15 through 16. Great passage, Titus 1, 15 through 16, it says, to, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And so we find ourselves in a position of sometimes we're taking steps toward denial. But here's the good news. I want to make sure we hear this part too. Because yes, there were steps of denial in the life of Peter, but also in our own lives. But there, was then, there, were, uh, there were then down, uh, upward, steps, upward steps to renewal. And I want to walk through some of these for us today. One of the primary steps to renewal, upward steps to renewal, one of the primary ones that we find is repentance. Repentance. And you're going, man, I don't want to repent. If you don't see your need for repentance, you don't understand 
who you truly are. You are your own God. You are your own idol. You need to understand that you need to repent before God because of who he is and what he has already done for you in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. We need to repent. Not one time. We know that transformation is a continual process here at Chapel Point. And by knowing that transformation is a continual process, that means that now what we get to do is we can continually call out our sins to him. We can be made right before him. We can know that he is taking our sin and repent. We say conviction is a blessing. And if we really mean that, that means Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives, aligning us up more correctly with who he desires for us to be. In Matthew 26, when it's speaking about this passage in that, Gospel, Matthew 26, 69 through 75. I want to read this for you. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. At least reference a good bit of it. Peter is now, he's, he's been standing outside of the courtyard. Servant girl comes up to him. This is Matthew's version of John 18. All of these things unfold where we see Peter denying Jesus over and over. And in verse 74 it says, um, Immediately the rooster crowed. This is after Peter says, he says he invoked a curse on himself, and he said, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And then in that moment, it says Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And it tells us that he went out, and Peter wept. Bitterly. In that moment, Peter knew that he had fully distanced himself from Jesus. That he had denied his Savior. And he cried out. And he wept bitterly. What an opportunity we have to evaluate if we ourselves need to repent. We see this and we go, wow, what what an opportunity to take a step of renewal first by repenting. A second upward step to renewal that we see a second step is that humility began to replace pride. Humility that replaces pride. That's what we need in our life. We need that humility. It tells us in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 8. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. It says to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. It says, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, it says, so that he may exalt you. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord, and we need to allow humility to replace the pride in our life. That's something we've got to really pray about, and especially with those things that are occurring right now in our world, the coronavirus and the economy and all these things, what we need to do is ask, have we begun to worship false gods, idols in our own lives? Do we need to be humbled? Now, I am fully aware that some of you may not like what I'm speaking right now. But more than a healthy economy and even a healthy physical body, you need to know I'm praying 
for a biblical-sized revival. Because our world has stepped away from God. I, I don't know anybody in our world right now that would have said a month ago, man, I love the trajectory of our world and our country. Look at us turning to God. I don't think anybody would have said that. But if that's a result of this, I praise God for any opportunity for people to bow before the Heavenly Father. It doesn't mean that I want people hurting. It doesn't mean I want people losing jobs. It doesn't mean that I want people suffering. I'm not saying that. But if that leads to a renewal of Jesus Christ being trumpeted from every single home that he is Lord, bring it, O oh Lord, so that we together will bow before him and worship the Lord our God. What an opportunity. To allow humility that replaces pride. And then finally, something I'd like to share with you. And this is a, it's another step to renewal. That first step is repentance, right? The second step is humility, that humility that replaces pride. And then finally, you had the feeling of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we can forget that what we find in this incredible passage is that, yes, Peter himself denied Jesus Christ. But if you don't know the entire story of Peter, I, I need to help you be reminded of something. Peter went out and he wept bitterly. And no, he wasn't present with John at the cross when Jesus was being nailed to it. But God still stepped in and redeemed him. He renewed him. I mean, we see it clearly. In fact, it was Peter that we see giving the first, what we would say, the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2. We know that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the ascension of Jesus Christ, but then we also know that the Holy Spirit came and filled them and began to blow and to shake the ground and to rattle the roofs and everything else that was taking place. And Jesus stepped into the world in a powerful way. And right now I am praying more than anything that Jesus would step in once again through Holy Spirit and shake the ground. Isn't that what we have been praying for as his church? It tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Peter, standing with the 11, so he's back with his people, okay? He had denied Jesus, but he's back with his people. Some of you are going, I've denied Jesus. You don't know what I've done, Pastor Joel, but I'm telling you now, there's redemption and renewal for anybody who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. It does not matter what you have done. Please hear that. Gather back with us. It says, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. And he says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. He's like, what you see right now isn't a bunch of drunk people. What you see is the blowing of Holy Spirit and he is alive and God is working no matter what the world is bringing right now, I am here to proclaim to you our God is alive and he is working. Let him work in your life, please. 
Let this be an opportunity for you to take this amazing word of God and to sit back and go, God, do I need to repent? I want to take a step of renewal. In fact, right now, if you want to take a step of renewal, raise your hand right where you are and say, I want to take a step of renewal. Some of you need to say, I want my family to take a step of renewal. But that's an invitation I have for you is right now, if you think that your family has distanced themselves from God, if you think that you personally as an individual have distanced yourself from God, I'm inviting you after this to grab the hands of your family and to confess as a family before God to take a step of renewal toward him so that then you can allow him to bring humility back into your life so that then Holy Spirit will fill you in a way that maybe you've never encountered before. Will you take that step? Will you make that journey of transformation, of stepping closer to Jesus Christ? That's what we speak about as a church here at Chapel Point, is that we are transformed followers of Jesus. And that's not a one-time event, right? That's a continual process of allowing Christ to mold us and to shape us and to humble us and to teach us and to instruct us in His way. So here comes Peter, and he stood together with the eleven once again, and he says, as he lifts up his voice, let me tell you what God is about. Friends, you're not alone in this. Even if you have completely walked away from God, there's room for you at the cross. There always will be. There always will be. There will always be room for you. There will always be room for your family. Will you come back to him? Will you come back to him? God, we pray for everybody being impacted. I don't even know if I'll be on this stage in a week. I might be preaching from my living room but what I will be doing is preaching and declaring your greatness and your goodness and opening up your amazing word and giving us an opportunity to walk through it together I pray for our political leaders, I pray for President Trump, I pray for our governor here in Michigan and the other governors who are having to make very difficult decisions right now and Lord really I'm praying that even those who don't know you as Savior, man I I want every governor to know you. I want every political official to know you. I want every single person pushing our economy to know you. I want everybody making decisions with our superintendents and our principals and our teachers. I want us all to recognize that we are reliant upon the one true God. And so we call out to you, Lord, as your children, and we profess that we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Amen. We know that some of you are hurting. Again, go, go to the website. Let us know. We want to know if you're hurting. We want to partner with you. We want to get to know you. We want to pray for you.
but as a response to his truth. And I I pray that you'll answer it as a family in a way that you've never done before. I'm going to invite for you to stand with us and to respond to him through song as we get to declare his faithfulness. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship him?